Ozone Media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. You're going to hear a story now which I don't believe has any place in the 21st century. You're going to hear a story about conversion therapy. A lot of countries in the world have made it illegal, not in the UK and not certainly in the US. I spoke to Enoch who shared his coming out story on the streets of Los Angeles. Okay, well, this is interesting. I think this is the first coming out story that we've recorded walking down the street in West Hollywood. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Enoch Miller. I'm the officially unofficial Empress of West Hollywood. And I'm a West Hollywood native. Been here seven years now. So you've been here seven years. When did you actually come out as gay? Kind of really knew I was gay roughly around um, like 15, like 13, 15, all those formative years stuff. But uh, definitely really like kind of got outed by accident. Of of all things, MySpace outed me to my parents uh, my senior year of high school. Um, which was a little daunting. A friend of mine put up some really explicit photos saying, like, something. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, parents saw it, found it, and questioned me about it. And, like, that last week of high school, I had to tell them I was I was actually gay. So, presumably, you had told this friend, or you were already having relationships by this age, then, yes. for, the, for it to get to that stage. Yes. So, what was that first initial conversation like, telling a friend at high school? Um, the first conversation was... Um, I was actually terrifying. I was very afraid of my parents finding out and really just kind of, they just knew. And it was one of those things I couldn't get away from because he knew that I knew that he knew. So it was just really those things of like, it was just, we both knew and I couldn't hide it. And so I kind of admitted it to him. It was, well, you had a relationship? Um, oh, uh, no, with this, one, with this guy, no, not in particular. But um, it was more people were becoming aware. The joke was I was so gay the walls knew. It was kind of hard to hide it. (laughs) I was actually going to uh, high school in uh, Texas um, where kind of in that community you're either labeled a steer or queer. So it's very it's a very homophobic area. So I mean it's just if you come out as gay you kind of sometimes fear for your life a little bit. Is it that bad? It is. It can be. Actually, I had someone who suspected I was gay um, on the baseball team um, and then end up having the whole baseball team chase me out of the field house with baseball bats. Um, had to lie my way through saying it was not true. And But uh, from that day on, I did everything to my utmost to kind of keep it under wraps. And do you think if you'd not denied it, they would have attacked it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially in, and again, a place like Texas where... I mean, they are just not accommodating to, to LGBT individuals. I mean, especially in the place I was at, it was a place called Lubbock. It's not small town, but it's a very small-minded town. So that's the backdrop. And then yeah. what was it like once your parents found out? Or did, <laughs> well, once they confronted you, what did you say? I couldn't really deny it. I mean, it's like they had enough proof, uh, basically. But uh, my dad's a, a Southern Baptist pastor, so obviously it was a big no-no for that to happen. But... Uh, in fact, you're named after someone in the Bible. Yeah, uh, named Enoch. So it's, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a gentleman who is known to have been resurrected without dying. He's one of only two people in the biblical world to ever have that happen. So it's a big deal. I'm the oldest of six as well. So it's a very, very religious community on all that with everything. So it was not a good idea for, for me to come out and do all that with there. 
but yeah, they found out immediately, started talking about where to send me to get myself fixed. Um, I did conversion therapy, pray the gay away, did straight camp for a little bit. You actually were sent on conversion uh -huh. therapy? Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't nearly as bad as um, some of the other friends I've had. Some of them had uh, like ice bath therapy, electroshock, some of the like the kind of stuff they did to prisoners back in the day. What year was this? 2007. 2007, and yep. you know friends that had electroshock therapy. Yep. Oh yeah, they were part of. A, they were a little bit more extreme. They were part of the Mormon Church. So, but yeah, it's um, a lot of people don't realize they they call them. It's almost like a joke, like if you hear like CIA or one of these places, they call them like a, a black site. It's kind of, they have a lot of these black sites in, uh, in southern U.S. where they kind of send you that no one really cares because they know you're getting there to be fixed because apparently something's wrong with you for being gay. And what was the other one? Cold water therapy? Cold water therapy. Basically, it's just ice baths. It's, called, it's like a part of deprivation therapy um, that they do to kind of mentally correct people. Um, it's an old practice they used to do back in the days in insane asylums to kind of correct mental illness. And at, at, honestly, it's a lot of times to this day, um, being gay is considered a mental illness. But I think people will be shocked to hear this because, I mean, certainly the World Health Organization has agreed that it's not a mental illness since right. the early 90s. So the fact that they're still doing aversion therapy in 2018 in America. It's quite scary, isn't it? It is. And it's, I mean, again, it's very, it's not very regular. It doesn't happen all the time, but you do get those instances of someone was just in that type of environment where the, the family they were with or the people they were around were so extreme one side that they just, they feel like you are so almost unclean that they're trying to do everything they can to correct you. They're the ones I feel like that have the biggest issue yeah. of all. So what actually happened to you then? What what I'm what so happened when you went for your so-called therapy? So mine was more a little bit more on just the laying of hands, praying a lot, doing all that stuff. Quite frankly, all I did was just kind of lie through my teeth, told them what they wanted to hear, so I didn't have to deal with it anymore and I can just move on with my life. Um, and then several years later, when I was 22, I met my partner Doug, who I'm with now. I've been with seven years now, and. I was at, currently at the time going to a Christian college. Um, they found out through Facebook that I was dating him. Yeah, they confronted me, ended up um, expelling me out of school for it, and then... What, you kicked out of university? Kicked out of university for, for, for that, yeah. But it was, again, it was a Christian... Thrown out of university for being gay? Yeah. Why? Because it was, it was, again, it was a Christian university, so they, again, it's all this time I'm trying to do what the parents want, fly under the radar, not really admit to myself who I really am, and then met Doug, and I was like, I can't deny the fact that this is the man I want to be with the rest of my life, this is my, my partner, and uh, I just couldn't be on board with pretending to be someone I wasn't. So I finally officially announced that, hey, I'm gay, it's okay, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry, that's kind of how it has to be. And from that day, uh, yeah, my parents disowned me from that. Um, so that must have been incredibly hard. Oh, it was definitely. It took me about three years to really understand it, process it, and really just kind of understand. The last thing I said to my parents were, this is what you want to do. This is your choice. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know that this is who I am, no matter what you think or say. And I'm always here if you want to talk. My door is always open until you're ready to do that. 
just I'll wait for what you ever you want to do. So I'm the kind of balls in their court if they ever want to talk to me again. But um, as of right now, I don't. I doubt that ever happened. And that was God almost almost seven years ago from when I first started dating Doug. So. And have they never picked up the phone to you or tried no. to make contact? Oh God, no, never. <laughs> Not at all. I don't think they ever will. Oh, I'm so glad that you're kind of saying it and laughing, but that must have been it, again. Hard. The, for the first, yeah, for the first little bit. I mean, having again being, being the oldest of six, having all that family and that those people you've grown up with your whole life kind of turn their backs on you. It was kind of like a slap in the face. But then I realized I have a new family here. I have my partner. I have my sister-in-laws, and then I have every friend I have here around. Um, in this area that just really is my my surrogate family and they're the ones that love and support me unconditionally and it's who I appreciate the most. Sometimes blood isn't thicker than water. No, definitely not in this situation and I feel especially here um, in West Hollywood but also in Los Angeles we have to kind of find the people that do it because um, LA is as progressive as it is has about 8,000 homeless LGBT youths wow. that are kicked out for one reason or another or shunned by their families so I mean it's not like it's uncommon especially in a place as progressive as Los Angeles and West Hollywood it's a it's unfortunate that it's a it's a regular thing at times and we just want people to know that no matter where you are what you come from you will always have a family here with people that love and respect and can understand you because you know what I think a lot of people might hear your story and think fuck that's depressing yeah. I'm not going to come out to my family if that's the risk but but I guess no regrets right no no regrets at all and honestly I was more miserable lying to myself and lying to everyone else pretending to be someone that I, I, I knew I wasn't and yeah. someone that that was like I mean yeah it was so hard to do obviously it's not an easy choice but quite frankly the moment I started being myself and it really admitting to myself hey, there's nothing wrong with me. You are beautiful, you are you, and this is who you were meant to be. As, as the moment I accepted and recognized that, my life got a whole lot easier. I must just add, as we're walking through the streets of West Hollywood here, you are wearing a, a <laughs> crown and a T-shirt emblazoned with the words Empress of West Hollywood. Yeah. So you've done all right for yourself, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it wasn't an overnight success, but... I mean, I just, I was around people, like I said, that, that supported me, embraced my craziness in whatever form that may be, and just really loved me unconditionally. Did you ever speak to your brothers or sisters at all? I try to. I have one of them that still talks to me. Um, the other ones are, again, they have an ulterior motive. They talk to me. It's all brought around about, well, you need to find Jesus and blah, 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 and don't really have time for that. I mean, that they're not going to be uh, uplifting to me and actually give, like, care about what they're wanting to say about me and my future. I don't want to have the negativity in my life. But, yeah, I have one brother. I'm actually going to be seeing him at the end of this year with his family. So um, it is. I mean, and, again, you just you take your victories where you can get them. I know, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm part Hispanic, so I know the Latino community has a really hard time because of Catholic religious ba background and stuff like that. So it's when it comes to religious family, it's never an easy choice. But honestly, you'll never be happy in yourself, in your life, until you're honest with yourself and the people around you. For anyone who thinks it's you don't want to come out just because you're worried about what people are going to think about you, I mean, that's the biggest misconception. You will be pleasantly surprised by the people that do come out and support you that you would never in a million years would have thought would have cared. And those are the people that really will be your family from, from now on. Thank you so much to Enoch for telling me his story, which 
I know it's quite painful for him to tell, and it was probably quite painful to listen to too. But I'm so glad that Enoch managed to find his gay family in Los Angeles. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goldswell, and Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. In the next podcast, you'll hear from Daisy. You may have seen her on the Bylive for TV programme. Her coming out meant that her younger brother ended up getting bullied at school. That was really tough, but because there's a big big age difference, there's nine years between us, he was still in school. He got massively bullied throughout school because of me being bisexual. It was horrible. It was horrendous. And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't wait for him to finish school.